0: Hello, I am Joe Honeyhockey, and welcome to the Heavenly Social, where I introduce you to our heavenly brothers and sisters. Consistency is a common theme I find amongst the spiritual greats, and it's probably the most common piece of advice that I hear, both spiritually and non-spiritually. I hear consistency in prayer is key to growing in relationship with God. I hear that consistency in our daily lives produces those good habits, which end up giving us a sense of fulfillment. This requires discipline, though, and I very much like this, because we might not always want to pray, or go to Mass, or those other things that grows our spirits. But in going through with these things anyway, we can be certain that our words and actions are not empty or fall on deaf ears. So we form spiritual exercises, and I think you would be hard-pressed to find a saint more influential in this realm than Saint Ignatius of Loyola. But I'm not talking about him today, he is far too well known. No, I am going to talk about one of his associates, a co-founder of the Jesuit Order, and the first ordained priest of the Jesuits. So, would you like a model of Ignatian spiritual exercises? Then might I introduce you to St. Peter Faber intro interestingly enough i couldn't find any listed patronages for peter faber i found an article from years back by the national catholic register that proposed he could be the patron for business people but uh, other than that It doesn't seem like he has any sort of official patronages, but that's okay. And uh, actually rather lovely, because it goes to show that patronage is not a critical ingredient to be a saint. When I was a guest on the Catholic Podcast back in January, I offered my musings as to what patronages are and uh, kind of why we have them. And largely, what I have gathered is that saintly patronage really tends to highlight something dear to that saint's heart. Or, it might involve something the saint did that either drew them toward God, or through which they drew others to God. All of this is to say... There's no hard and fast rule that I have found regarding patronage. Just like with your friends here on Earth, though, ask them for help and they'll help you. In the case of the saints, it doesn't really matter what their patronage is. If you are friends with them, then they'll help you. That said, though, St. Peter Faber does have a feast day, and that is August 2nd. So. Not too long has passed. All righty, let us dive into his story. Peter Faber was born on April 13th, 1506, in the village of Villaret in Savoy. Savoy is a territory that would now be nestled in northwest Italy, eastern France, and southeastern Switzerland to give you a nice little triangulation there. He was born to a shepherd man and his wife, and so grew up tending to his father's flock in the Alps. I can't help but think that must have helped him grasp all of the sheep symbology Jesus uses in the Gospels. But anyways, being a poor shepherding family, Peter could not receive a proper education. They just couldn't afford it. Now, Peter had a gifted mind, particularly his memory. And it goes that he could and would remember the priest's homily at Mass in the morning and would recite it perfectly in the evenings. With as wonderful of a mind as his, he was heartbroken that he couldn't go to school. His parents knew this and would hear him crying. So, they did what they could. In 1516, when he would have been ten years old, he got to go to a small school just a few miles away in the village of Thones. That was operated by a local priest. So there, he was able to pick up reading and writing. And the following year, he was able to attend the school in the village of La Roche, which was about twelve miles away from his home. There he remained for eight years, until 1525, when he moved to attend the University of Paris at the age of nineteen. It was here that Peter became roommates with a fellow named Francis Xavier. Does that name sound familiar? Well, these two became dear friends, and in 1529, they received a new roommate. This young man was named Ignatius, a.k.a. Ignatius of Loyola. Now, these two, Peter and Ignatius, were really able to help each other out. You see, Ignatius was apparently not that great with Greek, so Peter tutored him. And in turn, Ignatius instructed Peter in the ways of spirituality and the spiritual exercises. Peter took to these exercises so well that in later years, Ignatius said that he was the single best director of the exercises. Well, given this brotherhood, Peter ended up discerning that he was called to the priesthood, and on May 30th of 1534, he received his ordination. Later that year, on August 15th, he, Ignatius, Francis Xavier, and four others made their vows according to the Society of Jesus, which would receive its official papal recognition in 1540. So here is kind of where Peter Faber's life really kind of kicks off. When Ignatius was absent on a journey, he left Peter in charge of their little band. When they couldn't venture to the Holy Land due to war, they placed themselves in the service of the Pope. At that time, it was Pope Paul III. And this began the assignments at different universities there in Italy. Then, as this was the time period of the Protestant Reformation, our Peter Faber was sent to Germany to assist in dialogue between the Catholics and the Lutherans, specifically at two assemblies, which initially kind of threw me off because they're called diets. And, uh, okay, well, you'll see. So... One of these assemblies was in Worms, so uh, yeah. When I first read that, I it was Diet of Worms, and I was like, "Well, okay, that's weird, but is like, is that an actual thing?" And I found out, no, he wasn't actually eating worms. He was, uh, you know, dialoguing with uh, uh, with Protestants at Worms, right? So then the other Diet, the other assembly, was. Uh, was in uh, Ratisbon, aka Regensburg. So there you go. The Diet of Worms and the Diet of Ratisbon. Peter ended up becoming a very fervent reformer, in that he was disturbed by the divisions he was witnessing and knew that change needed to happen within the Catholic Church. So, He focused the majority of his energy reforming and reinvigorating the hearts of Catholic clergymen. Though he certainly didn't ignore the laymen, he tended gently to everyone, because the entirety of his work was centered around the knowledge of our ultimate divine destination, and so he wanted to help everyone get there. But he knew, though, That reforming the hearts of the priests and bishops, who had become far too worldly, was key to larger reformation. And I guarantee in his mind he was really hoping for a reunification. Well, after Germany, he ventured on foot to Spain at the behest of Ignatius. But in 1542 the Pope had him return to Germany for 19 months. After that assignment, he again walked to Spain and offered his instruction to the people in the ways of spiritual exercise. In 1546, Pope Paul III appointed him as one of his theologians for the upcoming Council of Trent. Peter accepted the appointment, and ventured from Spain to Rome in order to visit his old friend Ignatius, whom he hadn't seen in several years. During this visit, though, Peter was struck with a sickness that would ultimately claim his life. It seems that uh, the rigors that he put his body through caught up to him. But how wonderful was it that he got to die with his old friend and mentor by his side. Peter Faber died on August 1st, 1546. Those who knew him and had encountered him immediately began referring to him as a saint. And he has had such a following since. In 1872... Pope Pius IX beatified him. And in 2013, Pope Francis, who is himself a Jesuit, canonized him, thus officially making him St. Peter Faber. And there you have it. I'm going to loop back to the intro and say St. Peter Faber exhibited Virtuous consistency, evidenced by his mastery of the Ignatian spiritual exercises. Just like with physical exercise, our spirit requires constant work, or else our spirits sort of erode and lose resiliency. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, he has Screwtape, a demon, refer to us as hybrid creatures where angels are pure spirits and animals are purely of this world. We are a hybrid, both spirit and animal. Now I love this because what happens then is that this results in a constant battle where one of these two aspects of ourselves fight for the control of our will, which I'm sure all of you, like myself, encounter all the time. What follows are the classic feelings of desolation. Trying to maintain a good prayer life, but not getting anything out of it. Trying to stay engaged at mass, but plagued by distractions. Just like with physical exercises, The spiritual ones hurt. You could say there's a spiritual soreness, especially if you're not used to a prayer routine. And also, like with physical exercise, if you try to do too much too fast, then you will almost certainly fail and burn out, leaving a wretched taste for the activity. Why was St. Peter Faber so effective in his instruction? Because he was tender and gentle. He invited people into friendship and got to know them. He was a friend before he was a coach. Now someone whose heart lies in the world will likely shut down in the face of heavy philosophical and theological arguments. And why wouldn't they? That is heavy stuff for someone who might not even accept the most basic tenets of our faith. I'm not even talking about atheists or agnostics here. We don't need to venture far to find Catholics in name only. They may go to Mass, but it may strictly be out of habit. They do not live the Catholic faith, and thus don't believe in it. Pew Research demonstrates that quite well. Just recently, they showed an alarming number of Catholics don't believe that Christ is truly present in the Eucharist. And, I mean, that is the greatest aspect of our faith. A mystery that has inspired all of the saints, and I can confidently say that. And yet, there are a startling number of professed Catholics ...who do not believe this. It seems fitting, then, that we have St. Peter Faber as an example. In the face of the Protestant Reformation, he recognized that the failure on the part of the Church was in the hearts of its members. So he tended to them, those who went through the motions, but were only Catholic in name... And I think the very same need is readily apparent in this day and age. Following Peter Faber's example, it won't be the robust philosophical arguments against the atheists and agnostics that set hearts aflame. It will be the genuine friendships that we form with anyone, regardless of their creed. It will be by living out the example of Christian virtue that we will inspire those who may be either lukewarm or totally just ignorant of the faith to seek out the source of our peace. We are all on a journey and need to help one another. And the best way for us to do that is to find consistency in our spiritual lives. Develop those good habits so we can be the strength for someone in need. So we can weather the storms of this world and be lights for those in darkness. I would highly recommend Spiritual Direction to help you out here. But, in lieu of that, I will also offer something from my own routine. I have a group of morning prayers and evening prayers. Well, one of those things I do every evening is what's called an examine, spelled E-X-A-M-E-N. I definitely encourage looking it up, as there are many great resources on it. Plus, what I do is a highly simplified version. Because you see, I am not yet a spiritual powerlifter, so this is me starting easy. But yes, every evening I reflect back on the day and write out in my little journal three things I'm grateful for, two areas I failed in, and one resolution for the next day. Now, I have been instructed that I can do more, like I can write down more things if I feel so inclined. But, shoot for those minimums. Three things to be thankful for, two areas I failed in, and one resolution. So perhaps this might get you thinking about your own routine. And that will do it for this episode. Remain constant in the faith. And one day, someone might just tell your story. And outro. (laughs) The sheep symbology Jesus uses in (laughs) the... I hear that consistently... Maybe I'll do some sort of, like, grab bag and uh, just kind of surprise myself with the next saint. Stay tuned. See ya.